What's good? What's good? What's good, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Black Social Capital Podcast. Dr. Theo here. Excited because today's guest is Imani Nicole. She's a creative chameleon and well-being guide who takes daily steps to live a joyful life. I know this for a fact. Uh, she moves her way through the world, inspiring people across cultures and generations to access their joy. She's a certified breathwork practitioner, meditation guide, and yoga instructor. And as the founder of Elemental Breath, Imani uses breathwork and movement to bring transformational healing and discovery to all the folks that she's blessed to come across. She's most passionate about holding space where judgment and expectation do not exist and where love and acceptance can thrive. You can find her hosting classes across Los Angeles, uh, especially at the Salt Eaters in Inglewood. We love that bookshop. She hosts Black to Breath, which is a breathwork and meditation workshop for beginners in a culturally inclusive and safe container. She's currently accepting new clients. We love a new client uh, in her downtown LA studio for private breathwork and yoga sessions. Welcome, Imani. Hey, hey, Dr. Theo. <laughs> it's good, good, good to see you. It's been a quite some time since we've chatted a little bit, and I've been watching your uh, success as you breathe through the world, doing some amazing things. And so I was like, I have to have you on the show to explain to the folks what you've been up to and what you're doing. So we're going to hop right on into it. Okay. Um, and today, y'all, I'm going to be the man behind the curtain as well, clicking all the buttons, making sure that we look good today. But, um, but first off, you know, in that bio, you said that you're a creative chameleon. And I know uh, I know you from when you were in grad school, you were doing uh, some work in the business school, real had your corporate hat on. Um, so so talk to us a little bit about um, how you make these pivots and how you find space for all the things that you're interested in. Let's start there. Yeah. Wow. Um, let's start with how I make the space. <laughs> That's what I do. I make the space. I require the space um, of myself and of the folks around me. Um, so simply, I, I have come to know my needs and I express them for others so we can live in harmony. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, for the space that I make for the things that I do really ebbs and flows. Um, it doesn't look the same sometimes day to day, week to week, season to season, quarter to quarter, year to year. Um, Maybe at one point I hyper-focus on one thing, or actually some folks will focus on one thing for a few years and then they move on to the next. And for me and what works for my life, my lifestyle um, and who I am, I take more of like a slow build approach for things. And so what that looks like is that maybe I'm taking time to develop my marketing skills, which is part of you know the work that I do. And I spend more time as an independent contractor, freelancer, working 20 to 30 hours a week with multiple projects or with one organization. And so the work I do as a well-being guide, that may look a little bit differently from like one to two classes a week or a monthly event. And then 
you know, and another season, maybe it's really heavy on the well-being work. So I'm in the lab, you know, it's vice versa. I'm doing 20 to 30 hours a week in like well-being and then may have a single project within like the marketing space. So we make time for what we want to make time for. And for me, that requires a shift in perspective and awareness of priorities and my obligations. Um, and also passing up on some opportunities that just maybe aren't in alignment. I just don't fit uh, my primary focus. And so um, when I set those boundaries and like open myself to support, because I can't do it by myself and I won't do it by myself and don't have to do it by myself, um, it allows me to have that space to really be clear and stay clear on the things that I want to do and don't want to do and ultimately live a um, more joyful and less stressed life. Um, to the to the point of the pivot, <laughs> the pivot from like- Let's talk about it. Because <laughs> y'all gotta, gotta realize that uh, when you're in business school, is is very corporate, right? People mm -hmm. are in there. They're wearing their button downs. They're wearing their pantsuit. They're wearing their blazers. They're trying to raise capital, and so I think that that for me is is always different when I see someone pivot to a space that's more free flowing, right? To, to say like, hey, you threw away the pantsuit. What what happened? What's going on? So talk to us about how how you made that shift, or what was there a pivotal moment where you're like, these suits is hot. I'm out. <laughs> Well, I didn't throw my suits away. They come out less frequently, less often now. Uh, but, you know, there's always that opportunity for me to get suited and booted. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of funny. I, I actually started in a free-flowing field, but I started my career in program development with youth and adolescents and was running before and after school care programs. And... Um, I really enjoyed that work, but was seeking one greater impact, but also um, I needed to start making more money because it's an unfortunate thing that are in the education system and childcare, um, they're highly valued, but they're, the exchange of value is not always there specifically with like monetary value. And so um, my answer is really not linear, but <laughs> when it comes to well-being, I have always made room for that in some form of fashion. And what became new to me was professionalizing it. And so in that space of working in business, um, working with early stage entrepreneurs, doing like business coaching, financial literacy, education, um, I did find joy in that space, but I wasn't fulfilled. There was this, um, there was this hole, this itch I needed to scratch. And it really showed itself um, in 2020, just, you know, or 2019, around the onset, beginning of the pandemic kind of whispers, and then really fully in 2020. And so during that period, I was getting deeper into my personal meditation and yoga practice. And like I said, I've always been really active. I'm an athlete. I played all the sports and just kind of really focused on my physical well-being um, and then be kind of began to connect the mental well-being and emotional through meditation and yoga. I've been practicing for like 10 years. Um, but around the time of that 2020 period, Clubhouse had launched. Um, I'm still doing work in investment advisory firm, um, working with small businesses, doing consulting. And 
we were just kind of locked in the house. <laughs> so I, I suppose I was looking for a way to really practice my skills at the same time of offering a space for healing and support um, to really share that experience. I'm such a giver. I'm a heart-led person, um, which really drives a lot of my decisions is really listening to that space. Um, and so in the same time that I was practicing with myself, I began to practice with others, leading meditations. I was doing tarot readings on Clubhouse on like Sundays at 6.30 and um, had a bunch of people that really enjoyed that. And then I had this kind of like eureka moment that like I could make this part of my professional work. And I loved it so much. And, and there was value. People were getting brought, getting value. And prior to starting my business, Elemental Breath, LA, I, I did some really deep work around scarcity mindset to help me understand and break through um, the habit of giving without expectation, always being of service. Like it's who I am as nature, but that's not a balanced life. And that's yeah. something that I seek for myself. So I had to stop giving um, without requiring that exchange or return and value or energy, whatever that was, that reciprocity and was like okay monetizing this work shouldn't be cringy um there are executives and entrepreneurs around the world that have spiritual guides personal trainers meditation coaches so why couldn't i do that too and so i really had to let that go and once i stepped into that understanding that my work was valuable it was healing and was results driven um that i could make this a private practice and so um i've been at that you know, through 2020 to now um, doing that work. And so the, cor the corporate stuff is still kind of hanging in the balance. Um, it's not my primary focus, um, but I still do. I still love working with entrepreneurs. I still love working with small businesses and, you know, providing resources and um, education to them. Um, I also really love doing this well-being work and getting to like the heart of the matter. So that these entrepreneurs and these individuals can do their best work and have a cup to pour from. I, th I think, um, you know, a couple of things that you hit on um, that I think a lot of people can can relate to is really, you know, that scarcity mindset and and the cringy feeling of, of, of being an entrepreneur, right? Like mm -hmm. I think, uh, especially as folks of color become entrepreneurs, there's more and more folks that are like, trying to navigate the space. And I think that putting your your mask on first mentality has always been hard for a new entrepreneur where it's like, how much do I charge? Do I charge? Do I do I give a discount? Do I, but, uh, you know, is this too much? Can people afford it? Uh, finding those demographics. And I think especially in a space um, like like uh, like breath work and meditation where um, where sometimes it's hard for people to hold both a spiritual and a and a business mind in the same yeah. thing. Um, you know, as I've watched you grow on social media and things like that, I, I I can see the business cap on where where you're able to hold this a little tighter and stronger than than other folks that I've seen. So, yay for school to help you kind of <laughs> process those things. Um, it's and, been difficult. It's like not. It's funny because like in business school, they, they teach you kind of like the what, and they try to teach you the how, but you really only learn the how by practicing, right? So we're all trying to figure it out. We don't have all the answers. You've got models and people you can um, 
kind of pull from, but ultimately like you are creating your own thing. It's not going to be like anyone else's and you know, you learn and pick the things that feel good and then you try and you iterate and the, it, business is experimentation. Your life is an experiment, experiment in a sense, and it should be fun. Like how mm -hmm. can you create the life that you want and what ways are you going to do that? You got to try different things. Yeah. It, this is very, very true. Um, let, let's hop into, into this. Cause I know that, uh, you know, when we talk meditation, when we talk yoga, when we talk breath work, um, we're going to define some of those things for the audience. But, um, when you, when you think about these areas for lots of, uh, black folks, for folks of color, um, you know, self-care might seem like a luxury, right? Like, oh, I'm going and I'm, I'm taking this class. I'm taking this time for myself. Right. Um, so how, how do you feel that you're contributing to the shift where, uh, well, self-care isn't a luxury, but it's a, a necessity. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I hold spaces for folks and that are really curated and made for folks who are overworked, burned out. Um, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm willing to try. Um, and the folks who are overlooked and don't see the spaces where they're in or don't have guides who look like them. And I do my best to offer the information and the education that allows people to see that these practices are not nice to haves. They're necessities. Um, they are not luxuries. They're your livelihood. You need them. And the quicker that you realize that, the easier it is to actually build the life that you want. You can't do that only working. You have to take care of yourself. You can't pour from an empty cup. <laughs> you have to refill and refuel. And you can do that by taking time for yourself. And so you know, one of the barriers in this practice or in breath work and meditation and yoga really is getting folks to grapple with that, to take time for themselves. But it's like, how can you expect others to take time for you when you don't do it for yourself? It may seem scary and unfamiliar, but often that's how you start things. It's like, I don't know what this is. I don't know if I'm going to be good at it, but you don't have to be good at it. You get good um, with practice and there's no being good at breath work or meditation or yoga. There's being practice. And what does it look like to practice being and centering your well-being? How does that change your life? Um, I know it can, it's easy to avoid it and kind of sit in fear of like, oh, I don't need to do that and look at it. But the more that you do that and stuff it down, that's energy that your body is holding and it's going to need an outlet. And often that outlet can be anxiety, panic attacks, or illness and sickness. And you can mitigate that by participating in preventative practices like breathwork, meditation, and yoga. And so I offered those spaces for those beginners who are ready and willing to try and make the choice to do better for themselves and be better for themselves so they can be better for others and their employees, the people, their families, who they work with. Um, and I just support and carry them through that space so that ultimately when they leave space with me, they're ready to come back or they're ready to explore other ways in which they can prioritize themselves. That, that, that makes sense. And um, 
I think one of the questions I have, because I'm a I'm a beginner, I'm a scroller, right? Yeah. So um when you talk about breath work, what is the difference between breath work and meditation? Yeah. I'm like, I, I don't know what those <laughs> those things are, one and two. They sound like the same thing to me. Yeah, yeah. So excuse me. Um I like to think of breath work as an active intentional breathing practice where um, the manipulation of the breath, the, the depth of the breath, the rhythm, the pace facilitate a mind-body breath connection. Um, and that has the ability to alter your mood, to alter your emotions and um, actually your, your physiology. And that's, that's not um, psychobabble, it is science that has results behind it. And um, meditation on the other hand is a focused practice of awareness of the breath. How are you breathing? What are the sensations that are aware? What is the stillness that is present? Um, or really whatever intention that you set for the practice. So that can be a visualization, it could be mantra, um, affirmations can be meditation. Uh, mindfulness is a form of meditation. You can take walking meditations. And so it's less about creating this um, physical body experience, although that can be an outcome of meditation and about the kind of the mind and the breath and your awareness of what is happening as you sit there. What is the attention and the focus that you're putting on in that the moment of stillness in which you are in? Mm -hmm. I, I hear what you're saying. I think, um, I think that that's very helpful, right? And then where where does yoga come into play? Because I'm like, once I start thinking about yoga, I'm like, oh, is my arm supposed to be able to do that? Yeah. If my arm can't do that, like, how do I get my arm there? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So me, yeah. you know, a, 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 as someone that kind of just watches people grow in their practice, I was like, oh, you you was using the wall to do that headstand. Now you're using your forearm. Not, mm -hmm. You're a ninja now. <laughs> You know, is yoga and ninja closely related? I don't know. Um, I think they both involve practice and focus and awareness. And so yoga fits in there. Breathwork is breathwork and mindfulness and meditation are part of yoga. So what folks are really familiar with is yoga is the asana practice, which is the posture, the positioning. Uh, but there are eight limbs of yoga. And of that asana is one. Um, the breath breathwork pranayama and the mindfulness and awareness is our, our limbs as well. And so with the asana practice or what we know as um, yoga on the Western side of the world, um, your body is gonna change every day. And so one day you may be able to do one position and tomorrow you may not be able to do it all. Um, there is something in your body or maybe there's an experience that is just not allowing that. But um, the practice is not about the posture. It's not about these advanced positions. It's about the mind, body, breath connection and finding awareness and stillness in um, what might be an uncomfortable position. Can you find ease, right? And so I love the yoga practice because for those who um, may find that that breath work or meditation is um, simply uncomfortable or they're just like, I'm not ready to sit in that stillness or silence, which is a misconception. It's not 
only silence. There's there's a breath of practice in there. But yoga is like, okay, I can do this. And sometimes we just need to see other people who are doing it, who look like us, who have been in the practice to create that space of openness. I love working with beginners, with newbies, with folks who are like, are just, who've just taken the step to say, I'm ready to explore, who trust me to guide them through that practice because um, yoga is for everybody um, from little humans to big humans, um, to seniors and elders, to folks who um, aren't able-bodied and are, but still need movement. Everybody needs movement in some way. And so there are positions and ways that you can incorporate yoga in your life, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, what you look like, or what you believe your abilities are. Nice, nice, nice. Um, it, it's good to hear that that yoga and these practices can can fit a variety of dem demographics yeah. um, and communities. And so I think that's a good kind of transition into the question that I have around um, how you choose uh, the communities that, that you're working with. I know we gave a shout out to uh, the Salt Eaters, um, yeah. you know, amazing bookstore uh, in Inglewood, California. How, how do you go about building uh, the communities that you work with? Talk to us a little bit about um, where you see these, these communities of, 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 of breath work and yoga communities growing. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so, um... Uh, I'm like, there's not a lot of breathwork communities that I'm a part of. I, there's, I think there's few, more few of us than there are maybe like yoga teachers out here specifically in Los Angeles, but um, I'm a social butterfly. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> you're like, yeah, um, I'm regularly in different spaces um, that support others and my own well-being. And so when you asked this, my first thought was just like, oh, well, I do so many other things. Like I've been taking surfing lessons and mm -hmm. um, playing beach volleyball. And so I'm actively fostering those communities and getting more of us out there or even back. So much of so many of us have either been athletes before and we stopped. And it's like, what does it mean for us to go back out there and just kind of like play um, and get our bodies moving again? But um, yeah, so I'd love to see more Black folks join me in those um, spaces. Um, and I'm sharing those opportunities all the time. So if you follow me, you'll see me posting all that. But aside, um, there are three studios that I absolutely love who offer these really supportive and safe spaces um, for Black and Brown individuals to prioritize and work on their well-being. Um, and I'd love to see them grow. So um, one that is new that is right across from the Salt Eaters um, bookshop where I host my Black to Breath workshop is Black Being LA, which is um, a new studio in Inglewood that will offer a range of well-being services from um, breathwork, yoga, meditation, acupuncture, and a few other um, modalities. So I really can't wait to see their growth as they launch in a few weeks with some classes and workshops. And then um, a studio that's been around for about 20 years um, in the like Crenshaw, on the Crenshaw corridor is Crenshaw Yoga and Dance. Um, and I teach breath work there and I'd love to see that community grow 
um, because it kind of it's 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 been there for so long and it's ebbs and flows. But I know that there there's just going to be a shift of more people going into that space. So I'd love more people to really participate um, as members in that space. And then my home is the Tree Yoga Cooperative in South Central at the Sola Beehive. And that studio space is um, a black and brown owned studio with, I feel like over like about a hundred classes a month and workshops wow. that range from like youth yoga to um, there's like a cannabis infused like yoga meditation journaling experience called Elevate and Manifest. Um, well, that that class is called Sleep for me. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. It's hitting. It's hitting. It's hitting. <laughs> Uh, but they offer so many and there's so many teachers of color in that space. And it's where I took my yoga teacher training um, and I got to learn from black and brown yogis. And that's my home base. And I love the work that they do. And I will continue to be a part of um, those spaces to to just bring well-being to folks who thought it wasn't for them. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think one one thing that I think about often as as someone that's not from LA um, is I feel like communities of breathwork, meditation, yoga, uh, those spaces are are commonplace in, in LA versus you know maybe on the East Coast or in the Midwest. Yeah. And I know that you spent time in other places. I don't think you're from LA. I think you're from other places, right? We transplant here and we're like, look, I like it out here. It's warm, you know, it's got the vibe. So talk a little bit about like, do you think LA is just a unique space to have mm -hmm. these communities or have you seen uh, some of these communities grow in other places, you know, yeah. uh, other big cities or I don't even know, small towns you know, ha have some of these opportunities as well. But have you seen any uh, any differences or within your communities that you support? Yeah, so LA is definitely a hub for sure. And um, I'm from San Antonio, Texas originally. I've spent time in Atlanta and Seattle. And I think that metropolitan, metro cities, bigger cities, um, definitely have more than you might find in like a suburb or a country like rural side, less populated areas where really wellness leaders could get more attention or really be populated. You know how like folks are getting paid to move into like the middle of the country, like Midwest for jobs. Mm -hmm. um, they could do that for like folks who are going to offer well-being to other communities and areas where their services are needed. Um, folks drive or fly to Los Angeles as a hub, but what would, you know, a world look like where these wellness practitioners were more accessible in person. So in those rural areas. And even for me, like I've found myself coming out of kind of LA proper to um, kind of like outer cities um, and kind of looking at what does it have? What does it mean to have clients in that space? Um, but yeah, I think part of it is education, getting more black, brown yogis, breath workers, meditation guides, healers into those spaces, um, either through you know, programs, grants. I'm not, you know, I'm sure there's so many ways that that could look like, but specific areas where I see um, 
there being a prioritization. Definitely Atlanta. I've seen a lot of growth there, especially with like group fitness mm-hmm. and kind of like, you know, the trap hip hop kind of like really fun. We've seen a really cool trend. It's not trend. I think it's here to stay wave of these types of classes show up. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure what the, so there's not one solution, the many solutions for getting folks who are not in these metro cities to become more like wellness oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Good question yes, though. <laughs> I, yes. hope I, I hope I hit that. <laughs> Look, we, we just out here asking questions and see what happens when, 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 when it happens. Right. So, <laughs> um, okay. So, you know, our, our show is called black social capital. Right. Yeah. And so, um, we always want to ask about that social capital portion. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when thinking about your network, are there people that you want to to shout out that helped you to kind of find your space and place with, within this uh, community? Uh, we can give them shout outs, and then uh, we'll, we'll wrap up with with uh, one question to 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 end it all but okay. let's let's talk about some shout outs who, who, who's part of your network that oh, makes you wow. successful here okay so um i'll start with saida foxy and her guidance and teaching really brought me and my gifts to life and she fostered my breathwork practice and meditation guidance and so definitely want to bring her and her breathwork and mentorship training program, trauma-informed, that part is really important um, for black and brown bodies. Um, My mom for always supporting me, like always. (laughs) She's been so excited for my walk in this space and Mm -hmm. just shows up for me in so many ways that um, others just aren't connected to me in that way or aren't able to. My grandma always affirming me and commenting on my post. The tree, um, I will never stop talking about the tree for deepening my yoga practice and really changing my life. Um, like it's more than being a yoga instructor. You don't even have to teach after, but there is so much that I got out of that teacher training that, you know, I practice day to day, just continually. So really grateful Building for the tree. <laughs> Right, that part. Um, there's really so many people, friends and family, ancestors, my spirit guides and folks who I haven't named. I'll say one of my best friends, Janet, is always supporting me in my business, my strategy partner, um, inspiration, Rebecca Watson, who, um, I was following for a really long time and we developed a a closer relationship and now she's one of my friends. (laughs) Um, Goodness, I could think about right. some more names, but I think that's good. Thank you to everyone, really, who has been along with me in my journey and charges my, my head, not my heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that always gets gets folks. They're like, "Oh, what if I leave somebody out?" I'm like, people know who they are. People yeah. know who they are. Thank you. Um, and then the last question I have for you: uh, If someone wants to take steps in your direction uh maybe they want to to launch their own business or maybe they want to get into yoga and breath work and meditation uh what's what's a a couple pieces of advice that you have for someone that's you know just at the beginning of their journey in either one of those spaces 
Okay, can I do both? <laughs> <laughs> so for the business, for starting your own business, um, you might feel a little crazy and you should, and that's okay. Lean into that, lean into that and, and try, continue to try, iterate, and you don't have to put everything out at once. You can take your time um, and having people around you. It's going to feel isolating, but if you have one or two people you can run ideas off of, great. Um, but just be open to learning and supporting and supporting yourself in that journey. And then with the beginning, if you're starting breath work or meditation or yoga, this is not a performance. You do not have to be good. There is no being good. There's being practice. And after you do one day, the next day, that'll be your second day of practice. And so you're better in that way each day. And so take it day by day, be kind to yourself, give yourself grace and compassion. And um, know that if you don't see immediate results, that's okay. There are things happening behind the scenes that you can't see and internally. And so just know that you can celebrate just being in practice, whether that's five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, two hours a day, just keep going. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's been an amazing uh, show today. Uh, before we go, I'm going to ask everybody to take a deep breath. You want to extend the exhale. <laughs> that's how that's how you know I'm a beginner. I was like, look, I took my, I took my deep breath fast, which means it wasn't that deep. But look, y'all, it's been an amazing show. We'll catch you on the ne next one. And uh, as always, that is a wrap. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Remember, the way we build social capital is to build self and build others. You're sure you got some notes on your tablet, computer, or even using a pen and paper. Leave us a review. Continue the conversation on social media at Black Social Cap. And share the show with someone you know. Until the next episode, stay motivated. Rise together.